I walk in the gym one day and this guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take everything from you. They can take your houses, they can take your real estate, they can take your business, they can destroy your family. But what they can't take is what you're made of. They can't take who you are. They can't take your knowledge, your expertise, and what helped you build those successful companies. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. I want to give you this bit of information because you're going to want to check out this episode because in this next episode, we are going to be interviewing Mike Morawski. And Mike has got an amazing story. He goes from multifamily to coaching. He's all over the board, guys. But he has got some golden messages for you. You're going to want to figure out how you can learn from what he's got to say because he spent his whole life getting this information and you can get it in 30 minutes. So come back and join us on this episode of The Real Estate Rundown. We'll talk to you in a minute. Welcome to the RobNet Real Estate Rundown podcast, where Shannon RobNet has handpicked industry experts to discuss all aspects of investing in the real estate world and seeks to help all real estate investors improve their education and their proven strategies to grow their real estate journeys. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. Today, I have the wonderful opportunity to interview a guy named Mike Morawski. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Shannon. Thanks for having me on today. Mike, I'm excited about what you've got to talk to us about because you have got life experience that a lot of people don't have. You've got, you've got a, a, a career that started out in one field. It went through its transitions. It wound up in another field. You've got a story. So instead of having me try and goof that up, why don't you tell me how you got involved in multifamily and where you started in this crazy real estate world? Hey, Shannon, you know, I have a little bit of a life that a lot of people don't ever even want to have. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that a little later, right? So I, I've been in the real estate space for about 30 years. I started out, I was in the general contracting business. Uh, you know, my dad told me years ago, hey, if you ever go into business for yourself, uh, do food, shelter, or clothing. And I've always been in shelter and it's always done me well. Uh, so I had a general contracting business. Uh, I'm in Chicago and this was in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. I was very successful. But I woke up one morning and I looked at my wife at the time and, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm just burnt out. And so I was still banging nails, still running around, you know, spinning all the plates that you do as a business owner and working in my business versus working on my business. And so I, I sold that company and I took a year off. I wanted to decide what I was going to do. Well, during that time, my wife and I uh, did a couple of house hats, flipped a couple of two flats. And this was long before it was sexy, Shannon. Right. Now, today, everybody does it. You know, isn't it funny, Mike? I mean, everybody's taking this term. When when I did a house hack, it was because I was so broke, I couldn't afford to live there by myself. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, I had roommates. Uh, I, I had one roommate named Sewer, Water, and Trash, and I had another one named Sometimes I'd Like to Eat, right? But but now the millennials, they've taken these these things that we called survival Right. And I'm sure you did it more of a fix and flip or something like that rather than I mean, you just sold a company. You didn't need to do it for, for the same reasons I did. But the millennials, man, they really good at making these terms sound sexy. That's for sure. Yeah. Where'd the trash go? Was uh, did the trash leave? <laughs> that's right. My yeah, he was always late on rent. So I took him out back. <laughs> <laughs> so so I always believe success leaves clues. Right. And right. 
so what, during that year I took off, I happened to meet a real estate agent who was extremely successful. And I went to him and I said, hey, Todd, could, you, uh, could I shadow you? I think I want to go in the real estate business. And here's what he said. First of all, I think you'd be really good in the real estate business. I think you have some skills to be a great sales guy. I'm going to, but I'm not going to let you shadow me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make you a cassette tape. Now, Shannon, I'm really dating myself now. I know exactly where you're (laughs) going with this one, Mike. I'm right there with you. Because I don't think anybody can find anything to make a cassette tape on today, much less listen to one. You know what we'll do? We'll put an appendix down here that'll direct all of our guys to Wikipedia so they don't have to Google it and find out what that is, Mike. We'll do that for our young listeners. Yeah, right. Good for, I think that's great. And they'll appreciate you and be back next week. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I, I listened to this cassette tape over and over again. And uh, over a six week period, I took my exam, I took my test and went into the real estate business. My first nine months, I sold 78 houses. Wow. I was Remax Rookie of the Year that year. I went on to build a team selling 125 homes a year. In 2005, I saw the market starting to shift. And, and I had done that for about eight or nine years in a row consecutively. In 2005, I saw the market starting to shift and said, man, I better go do something else. I had always wanted to be in the apartment business. So Shannon, I didn't just wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to jump into this. It looks like a great business. But when I was in the construction business, I did a lot of work for a large syndicator in the Chicago market who today happens to be the largest REIT in the world. uh, They're in 80 countries in every asset class, but they started out with one four-unit multifamily deal. So I understood the model. You know, you raise private equity, you marry it with a great real estate deal. As long as everything goes well, everybody's happy and everybody makes money in the middle. Well, um, I went out and I syndicated my first deal. And after that, I wrote, I raised $18 million. I bought $60 million worth of real estate at 4,000 apartments in five different markets. And I did that in 30 months. Wow. I built a property management company managing 7,500 units. And Shannon, as a result of that, today I'm in the coaching and training space. Well, wait a minute. You went from banging nails to selling real estate to building a multifamily portfolio that would make anybody proud to jumping over to the coaching space? Yeah. What what was the transition there from multifamily to coaching? So, you know, remember I said that if you marry a private equity with a great real estate deal and everything goes well, well, everything yeah. didn't go well. <laughs> so um, what happened was uh, I grew very unstable. Hey, I bought way too much property way too fast. And I give heed to your listeners, you know, don't grow too fast. Take your time. This is a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. You know, in 2007, I bought 17 properties, 2,700 units. I was way out of balance. You know, Shannon, I equate it to this. I was sitting on, on a kitchen chair on two legs, lifting my feet off the ground, trying to eat my eggs in the morning. Um, very often. <laughs> the only thing riskier than that is having a Bloody Mary with it, right, Mike? That's right. So, so, but but when you talk about unstable, go into that a little bit more. I mean, what made what made what you were doing unstable? I get it that the speed that you grow has something to do with it because you've got to get proper systems, you've got to get proper balance in place, you've got to you've got to underwrite it. But but what was making your particular situation unstable? 
Yeah. So not so much the speed we grew at, but the asset we bought. So I bought a lot of value add assets. Almost everything was value add. And when you buy a value add asset, you need to go in and get your CapEx done. You need to uh, stabilize that property, re-tenant it, lease it up, and then go on to the next one. Or at least get the game plan, the business plan in place and working. And and I thought I had people I could trust that were doing that, and they weren't. So I would write a really great business plan with my CFO and, you know, this is how we would do it. And I'd hand it off and thinking it's getting done. But then the second mistake I made was, hey, I I didn't pay attention to the KPIs. I didn't watch what was going on. I didn't I didn't uh, put my head in the sand and kept going. You know what? I'm a relationship builder. Just so that my listeners are on board with you. KPIs are key performance indicators. Right. And those are the things that let you know that what you're doing is matching what you thought it was going to do and or minute adjustments that you might need to make to keep that on track. Right. So you were writing the business plan. Everything looked good. You were shifting to the next asset, firing away over here, and they were not following the business plan and not following the performance indicators. Correct. Correct. The other thing was I was over leveraged. So I bought property, I bought $60 million worth of property at 15% down. You know, you know, banks were throwing money at us at the time. And, you know, the banks, what the banks should have done is said, hey, you can't do that. We should have been 65 to 70% loan to value. And I was 85% across the board. It was right. just, just crazy. So the instability in all of that w- was hurtful. So 2008 came around. I'm unstable. I'm over leveraged. I didn't raise enough money. I had, I had bad offering documents written. And all of a sudden, it was like hitting a brick wall at 200 miles an hour. Um, the freight train came off of the tracks, and I started to derail. Um, I, I thought, you know, I had a few deals that went bad. And I thought, you know what, let me try and save these. And I don't want my investors to get hurt. You know, I'm the oldest born. I'm a hero, right? So I want to make sure everybody's happy. Shannon, I don't want to come to you with bad news, right? I don't want you to be disappointed in me. But I, I, what happened was I, I tried to save the company. So I started shifting money between companies. I would take profits from uh, profitable companies, put them in non-profitable companies, and listen, my accountant, my attorney said that was okay to do as long as I had notes and I could prove where the money was. And we did that. But then um, I didn't disclose it to my investors. Mm. And because I didn't disclose it to my investors, I ultimately got charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison as a result of that. Wow. So so because, you know, we, we hear all the time that it it wasn't one mistake. It was several small ones. And at the speed you were going, I mean, 200 miles an hour is probably a pretty good analogy of how fast your outfit had to be moving to acquire the number of units that you acquired in the time that you did. So here you are, you're, you're, you've got the people behind you, you've got the team behind you and you're handing stuff off and they're doing it or they're not doing it. And by the time you figured out it wasn't happening, it was, it was six months too late. Yeah, it was way too late. So what what happened next, Mike? Well, we lost everything. Um, I wound up in federal prison uh, serving a 10-year prison sentence. 
um, walked into the gates of prison thinking my life was over and it couldn't get any worse. You know, Shannon, I went from living this pretty modest middle-class lifestyle, you know, 2,000 square foot home, you know, drove an American car. I didn't fly private. I didn't buy big boats. I didn't buy bigger houses or bigger cars. I tried to build a business. I tried to save my investors. And all of a sudden that was taken from me. Next thing I knew, I'm waking up one morning and I've got, I'm living in a 12 by 12 room with three men. I don't know. I have three green outfits and five pairs of underpants, wondering what the hell happened to my life. And, and what are we going to do now? I thought it got really bad and I thought it was over. Um, and about 17 days after being in prison, my wife told me she was going to divorce me. And then my life really was over. Uh, wow. Now I was wondering what I was going to do, how I was going to survive and, and get through tomorrow. You know, Mike, you, I mean, you, you're just piloted on here. I mean, you're, you're, you're going from the American dream to the American nightmare. <laughs> How did you, I mean, let, let's, let's set the, let's set everything aside as far as, as far as, uh, you know, business. You, you, I mean, I know that there's got to be that, that thought process of what's everybody going to think about me, what, what's going on, but how did you just survive? How did you wrap your head around the fact that here you were for 40 years, 35 years, an honest Joe doing his job and going to work and providing for his family and doing all these things to all of a sudden, this is your reality. How did you wrap your head around that? Yeah, great question, Shannon, and I appreciate you asking it. So like I said, I thought my life was over. I was waking up in the morning and there were a couple of guys around me. Prison's an interesting place because, you know, guys tend to come by the guys that are really struggling and say, hey, you know, what can I do? How can I help you? You know? I, I walk into gym one day and I'm 35 pounds overweight. I don't feel good about myself. I hate myself. I went from being an athlete and a marathon runner to all of a sudden, you know, hating myself. Um, I walk into gym one day and this guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take everything from you. They can take your houses. They can take your real estate. They can take your business. They can destroy your family, but what they can't take is what you're made of. They can't take who you are. They can't take your knowledge, your expertise, and what helped you build those successful companies. He said, get it all back. He goes, beat these people at their own game. Come in this gym every day, start working out, get that 10 years back. They say prison preserves you. I'm 80 years old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You sound like my mom. My mom's been telling people she's 20 years older than she is. And they go, oh, my God, you look amazing. Same thing. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, preserved you. Mike, it pickled you. <laughs> so, uh, so I started working out. I started losing weight. I started feeling better about myself. Shannon, I decided to go to college. I'd never gone to college. I wound up getting a four-year bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books while I was gone. One's called Exit Plan, which I'd love to give away at the end of the show to your listeners. That'd be awesome. But it's your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy. Um, the other one is on property management, which I hope to release this year. It's in the hands of the editor right now. And then I wrote an ethics course. So I taught real estate investing. I taught property management and I taught ethics. How ironic in prison for five years. I taught a Bible study 
And then I was on an outreach program. I went into the community. I told my story 40 times uh, uh, to small business owners, major corporations, and to college students. And I, I befriended a, a professor from the University of Minnesota. And we co-authored a paper together that was just published in the Business Journal of Ethics this year and gets taught at the college level. We wrote a set of teaching notes with it and it gets taught in forensic accounting and sales and marketing classes to uh, help people understand how easy it is to get in trouble, the mistakes that can be made, and kind of what to watch out for along the way if you can, you know, not put the blinders on. That's so key. And, you know, when you go back to the gentleman that said what he said to you about not getting beat, you know, that's, that's so difficult to do because you probably wanted nothing more than to wallow in self-pity and 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 woe is me and and get bitter about what happened and how come your accountant wasn't sitting there next to you and how come you you know your lawyers weren't sitting next to you those guys were the ones that did it but you didn't you took on the work for personal gain you really did find a way to beat them because you didn't waste those 10 years or 8 years you didn't you didn't just sit there on a bench for 8 years you bettered your life with the time you had in a way that I'm going to guess if you were out in the real world, you wouldn't have gotten your your doctorate or your, your, your college degree in theology. You wouldn't have written books. You wouldn't have done those things because you, you wouldn't have had time to. Yeah, right. And yet you took that and all things work together for those that love the Lord. You mm -hmm. multiplied that time and pushed it into something meaningful instead of let them destroy what, what had already been pretty beat up. And you came out of that thing a better person. I can see that. Mm. And that's an amazing story, Mike. That is a phenomenal story that it reminds me of, of how to take a really terrible situation and make the best of it. I mean, really to think about it, you know, everybody, how many... I, I heard the, I heard something the other day that said the richest place in the world is the, is the graveyard. All the books that are unwritten, all the stories that are untold, all the things that never made it out. And Mike, you were able to take that time and invest that into yourself, number one, invest that into others, number two, and change the lives of countless people with what you've been able to share with your story. That's amazing, Mike. That is something that most people can amass hundreds of thousands of units and never have the opportunity to change that many people. Yeah. It's interesting that you put it that way. Uh, and I love the comment about the graveyard. Gosh, I, I don't think I've ever heard that before, but how true. It you is. Know, I, I was just on a call earlier today and somebody asked me, um, you know, what about the guys in prison that didn't do what you did? And I said, man, all they did, they slept all day yep. they ate, and they watched TV. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't watch any educational TV. It was all Oprah Winfrey, uh, Jerry Springer, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but, you know, Mike, that's and not to get into anything political or anything, but that's where they talk about warehousing people. Right. But it's not always that it has to do with the metal inside the man. It has to do with, you know, I, I would I would venture to bet, Mike, you're the kind of guy that I could take to India or to. Kurdistan or one of these other places and drop you off with a hundred bucks and tell you don't come back to to Chicago until you've you've made you know 
$500,000 and you would come back. Yeah. Right. Where a lot of these guys, they just, the metal inside the man isn't there. It's not even tin. It's well, not even tin foil. Yeah. Shannon, we're all, we all have choices in our life, right? We, do. we have choices every day. When you get up in the morning, you got a choice to brush your teeth or not brush your teeth. Right. So where it starts. And, and, and so um, what are you going to do? And, and today, today my goal is what can I do for you? What can I do for somebody else? It's like when I reached out to you, I said, Hey, uh, uh, Shannon, how do I, how do I come and bring value to your yeah. listeners, to your yeah. show, to your network? How do I help bring some education and the ability for people not to make the same mistakes I made? Well, and you know, it's funny, the vulnerability and the openness, Mike, I mean, a lot of people, they, 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 they get on the podcast and they talk about how great it is, how great their life is, how great their accomplishments are. I mean, we're, we're 10 minutes into this thing and you're already in prison, right? I mean, that's not really by 99% of the world's definition, that's not winning. What is winning though, is what's coming out of this. And then this is what I really want my listeners to pick up on. It's the two books. It's the communication with all of those people that you taught, right? How many of those people would have had the opportunity to take those ethics classes and deal with things in the, at the level that you dealt with them ever in their life? They were going to take that away after being warehoused into their life. And they had the choice to make the decisions just like you did to really expand that. And so that is a seed that's going to come back. Right. Yeah. You, you know, and, and we have that choice, too, you know, and you can do it humbly or you can do it egotistically, too. Or you can not do it at all. There's there's really three. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that truly, Mike, would have been a waste of time. That would have been eight years of your life completely down the drain, you know, but you took it and you made something beautiful out of it. Now you're coming out of prison. You've got books, you've got speaking engagements, you've got, I mean, what, what, what is life looking like coming out? So coming out was, uh, um, was interesting. You know, I, I, I think I got a little PT, PTSD too from it, you know, afraid of crowds, don't like to be in, in crowded grocery stores. Can't, if I don't know where something is, I don't, I don't want to look for it. I leave, you know, but, um, but I'm focused. I, I want to grow uh, as a person, and I want to help other people grow. Today, I want to give back, right? Yeah. My mess is my message today. Um, and I want people to learn from my success, but I want them to learn from my failure too. And that's why I talk about those things about being over leveraged. I didn't raise enough money. I paid too much for property. I I uh, ran too fast, overscaled, hired too many people. My offering documents were wrong, you know, I I did some things wrong along the way, but that's how we learn. So you know, and it just got me to think it too, Mike. When I look back at my life, there is so much more I've learned from getting conked on the head or, you know, tripping while I'm running uh, after a deal um, rather than, you know, I always say we like to do a postmortem after we've done a deal where we look at it and undo it backwards and make sure we didn't make any mistakes or correct the ones we have. But I got to honestly say, you're exactly right, that you learn so much more when it really comes unwound. Yeah. So today, you know, today I'm in the coaching space, right? So I, I put on seminars. I've written a book. I, um, I got another one coming out. I coach people. I teach people. Um, and I'm back doing deals. 
So I'm underwriting deals. I'm looking to scale deals and we're, we're back in that multifamily space. So, so I, I'm, I'm looking at this though, Mike, and I'm, I'm thinking, and I, and I really, I, I get it. You've been through a really, you, I mean, you came from a, a great solid, everybody looked at you and said, man, Mike's got it made. He's got it figured out. You know, now all of a sudden, you know, Mike Morawski, the single guy that's in prison, you beat that with your mindset. Yeah. You really, honestly, you beat that. That's the only way you can really describe it is beating it with your mindset uh, that, that you knew that inside of you was, uh, was what was going to get you through what was offending you on the outside, right? right? And the reality is you came out of that and now you're sharing that with other people through your coaching. Right. I, Mike, this, this to me sounds like somebody's plan for your life. I mean- <laughs> Maybe not the prison part, you know, maybe there was a way he had, you know, God had a plan to, that you could get around that part. But at the end of the day, it sounds like this is what you're built for. Yeah. You know, I was on a podcast where the guy's title is, what are you made of? Um, and, you know, that's how, how he opens and he asks you, what are you made of? And, and that's it. You know, it's, it's determination. It's tenacity. Um, I was three years into the real estate business and a client of mine said, Morowski, you are so tenacious. And very graciously, I said, hey, thank you. Not knowing what it meant, ran right home, grabbed the dictionary, said, oh, that is me. I don't give up. I don't quit. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, dictionaries are what we used before Google. Okay, so just so everybody knows, that's going to be in the the cliff notes at the bottom for all you youngsters. A dictionary, it's a physical book. It's kind of like the yellow pages of words. Okay, so that's what it is. Everybody knows now. (laughs) Shannon, I'm looking for a young girl. You're killing me here. Oh man! So that, making that, me that's, old. That's great, you know. But the thing is, the reality is, I mean, my my listeners got to know, right? What's a dictionary? You know, right. they they know Wikipedia, you know. So it's an app. It's an app on my iPhone today, too. <laughs> by the way, that's great. You know, the other day my son asked me something, and I said, "What what 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 are you asking me for? Ask Google." He says, "Well, I asked Google, and they said I'm supposed to ask my dad." <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. So, oh God, that is funny. But you know, when you're coaching people, I mean, you've you've really got. I mean, you've got to be able to come from just a very unique space oh. because you've seen the high and you've seen the low. You know, yeah. a lot of these coaches have not ever seen the low. They've not ever really had the struggle. Right. So here, here's what's interesting, right? Is I work in that box like everybody else. So I, I teach. We talk about goal setting and goals and your why and. Uh, you know, building your team and your network and how to source off market deals and contracts and negotiations and all that. And really, I teach about exit planning, right? Because I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in coaching and training and books and tapes over the years. Everybody teaches us all that stuff. Everybody teaches us how to get in a deal. Nobody teaches us how to get out. But Shannon, more importantly, I work outside that box. So when I work with you, I want to know who you are at the core. Where's your soul at? What really drives you? What's going to help your business grow? How do we scale your business? Because you don't do any of this professional stuff unless you grow personally. And you got to grow from inside. And that's what I want to do. And, you know, coaching is not telling anybody what to do. It's not mentoring, but it's helping you discover what you already know and pulling it out and holding you accountable to it. You know, that's an interesting take, and I don't know that I've heard it put quite that way, you know, because everybody's different. 
you know, everybody's got a different thing that really lights their fire, that makes them unique. And I don't know that I've ever heard it said like that, that it's pulling out what's already inside of you. How do you, how do you work with that? I mean, how do you, how do you work with a client that's doing something that they hate, convince, trying to convince themselves that it's something that they like because they like the money or they like the prestige or they like something with that? How do you coach them through that kind of a situation? Well, if you hate it, why are you doing it? I, you know, that's a pretty, listen, pretty if you're not following your passion, you know, here, it, when I talk about you already have it inside of you, you already know inside of you. I used to tell the, uh, my staff when they would come to me with a problem, hey, don't come to me with a problem unless you bring three solutions with it. I'm right. Because you already the know the answer. Yeah. But bring it. We'll discuss it. And we'll pick the right solution together. But yeah. don't just come to me with a problem. Right. And I've always told my staff on top of that, let's go ahead and make a decision because we can fix a wrong decision. What we can't fix is inactivity. Ah, we can't God. fix the fact that you can't decide. You're sitting on the train tracks. Are you going to get off or are you going to get stay right where you're at? You can't fix that. You're going to get hit by the train. But if you can make a decision, even if you're the wrong decision, we can work through that and we can see how you got from A to B to C. But we can't fix it if you won't decide, if you won't take that first step. And then as, a, then as an employer, you have to be very aware of what you did tell them to do. So when it's wrong, you can't explode. You've got to go back through and go, you know what? I get it. That makes sense how you got there. But this is how, you know, maybe we, we could have. Because I can always, like, like you said, I can always coach you through something wrong that you did wrong. But if we can't, if we can't move, we can't do anything. Yeah, right. So, so Mike, what are some of the what are some of the life lessons that you see people um, coming out of your coaching program having put together? If it's already inside of you, you're just pulling it out. What are some of the life lessons you're pulling out of people that are putting them on the path that they've always wanted to be on? You know, I think it's self discovery about what's important. Um, how do you uh, how do you attach yourself? Hey, listen, it's okay to have a goal to make a million bucks. But what, who do you have to become along the way in order for that to happen? And then oh, wow. once you make the million bucks, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. So, you know, let's figure out who you are. And let's figure out, if you don't know who you are, let's figure out who you are and help you get there. Um, you know, and that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're talking about people who have instability in their business or in their lives. Because like Life Reflects Art, business reflects your life, right? If you've got, if you're kind of unstable inside, you're going to have an unstable business. Yeah. Time out for a minute. Cause you just said it, right? You, you just, because most of the time people's businesses don't grow. Think about your own life, Shannon. Right. Most of the time people's businesses don't grow because they're stuck in here. Per personally, something's going on. Bad marriage, bad relationship, uh, sick parent. Uh, kid doing bad in school, kids strung out on drugs, you know, hey, whatever that issue is, whatever that situation is, that that uh, fear of success, fear of failure, you know what, name it, call it, uh, and let's work through it. Because once you work through that, once you get over that hump, everything else will excel for you. You know, that's that's pretty amazing, too, because if I think about it, the times in my life when I wasn't growing and my business was stagnant, I was there were times that I was 
pissed off or something wasn't going right in the background. And it's, it's funny you mention that because when you look at when you're growing the best, you're in sync, you're in unison, every, you're clicking on all cylinders, everything's happening because your life is, your life's all together at that point. And I think we all go through seasons, don't we, Mike, where our life's put together and then our life's a yard sale and then our life's put back together. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're constantly getting it right only to change one thing and then get it all wrong, right? I mean, it, it's it's funny how we as humans keep trying to build a better mousetrap even with one that works perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So when you're coaching people on how to scale a business and how to not be unstable and how to be involved in all of that, how are you how are you bringing that back to the exit plan all the time? Mm. Because there's all the planning along the way. So when I look at exit planning from a deal, um, before you ever get to the closing table, you should know what is what your exit is. You know, we evaluate these these deals, right? Whether we're doing a new development or whether we're buying a, a, a garden unit apartment complex or whatever, but we have this 10-year spread. And invariably in there somewhere, there's a profit point, a place you make your most profit. Do something, exit. And exiting doesn't always mean selling out or relinquishing control. Sometimes it means recapitalizing, bringing a partner in, restructuring, but pull your capital off the table, pull some profitability off the table, change the deal structure, redo it and run it again and, you know, make more profit. We're in business to make a profit, right? Yeah. Let's utilize it. So what are all the metrics that have to happen along the way? What are the things you have to look at before you ever even go walk a deal? You know, what's your buying strategy? What's non-negotiable? So these are all questions you have to work through and that, that I help work through when I'm coaching somebody is, hey, let's get this on paper. Let's have a diagram and a book that uh, somebody could unwind this if you weren't here because this is how you did it, right? Right, right. You know, that's, <clears throat> that's funny because I know a, a, a lot of people think about getting into the deal knowing that they're going to get out, but they never they never visualize it like you just mentioned you're talking about actually writing it down and getting to x y and z right getting out of how does this get out and you know that's one of the things that we do in a lot of our stuff because we are ground up developers we build it we know that we're going to transact on it once it's finished we have a natural point where it's stabilized and we're ready to transact but i can see where a lot of people would be sitting there going but the rent's coming in Rent's going up 3% a year. The rent's going up 4% a year. We're making money. Why would we get out of this when the ROI or the IRR, whichever one you're looking at for your matrix, says that now is the time? If we hold it longer than five years, then our ROI goes down. Right. And that's important to know that getting out, it was the it always was the goal, but somehow we lose sight of that, don't we, Mike? Yeah, we, we forget took. that we we got in to get out. I mean, that's the whole reason we got into it because the last guy was getting out of it. Now we're into it, and then we're going to get out of it, right? But right. we forget that right. sometimes we got a plan for that, and we just like all of a sudden sitting around like, we're here. Oh shoot, we're here. Well, how do we know we're here? And it's funny how many people have that as their business plan to get somewhere that's unidentified. Right. Right. So, do you only coach 
multifamily people? Do you only coach real estate people? I, I started out working with only multifamily people, but my business has kind of evolved to, I work with multifamily people and all the support people around that. So I work with the agents, the brokers, the lenders, the, the title people, but also just the entrepreneur, the, the guy who's building a business, trying to scale a business. I got a couple developers that I work with because you know what? We all need coaching at some level. Hey, I, I have a coach in my life. You know, I make a comment in my book. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. Somebody fact checked me on it. Here's the deal. 20 years at a thousand bucks a month for 20 years. That's what I've spent on coaching. Figure it out. You do the math. So sure. Um, it, it, we all get there. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's an interesting thing, too. When you when you look at what you're doing, I mean, and this is the other thing that I know. And, and, and it probably applies to coaching. I don't know. I'm not a coach. But I would think that the proof is in the pudding. In, in the fact that when I go to build a project, I got to underwrite it. The bank's got to underwrite it. The appraiser's got to underwrite it, right? We get that far. We've fooled four people. Maybe, we've, maybe we're actually right, right? Because then we still got the market to deal with. But at right. the end of the day, I have people coming on board going, wow, I heard about your last deal. I heard about this. I heard about that. And that's really how your business has grown to be outside of multifamily into title people and escrow people and brokers. So the proof must be there. I mean, what are what are some of the other things that you're doing to to attract people to your coaching business? Hmm. Uh, thanks for asking. I, I do a couple of boot camps throughout the year. Um, I have a live three day event I'm going to be doing in Chicago coming up in in August this year. And, and that when you mean live that you mean in person. Yes. In person live this year. Um, and then August do, what? what are the dates on that? That'll but right now we have a tentatively scheduled for the 20th through the 22nd. And, you know, I'll have definite details coming out in the next uh, 30 days on it. It's a brand new event. I had four events uh, all virtually scheduled for this year, three boot camps. The first one, Understanding Multifamily, which I just did. Uh, I have the recordings available for that if people want to hear it. Then I have Multifamily Acquisitions and then Property Management. And then I do a three-day virtual event, Shannon, where I have 20 well-known speakers from around the country come to a platform and we share and provide information uh, for you know people who are looking to get into multifamily business, in the multifamily business, looking to scale their business, looking to get out of their business. So, um, you know, we kind of cover the gamut with the speakers that we have. I, I, I planned everything this year virtually. And now I, I threw this live event in because it looks like the world's going to start opening up. And, you know, I think people are ready to get out, get back, pull the masks off and uh, get on with life again. Well, Mike, I mean, th this has been one of the more insightful and I got to tell you, inspirational uh, episodes that I've done. And I, I was and thinking I gotta, a little more insane. No, I, I really do. Because, you know, I go back to what I go back to what that gentleman told you the first first week or so you were in you were in prison that don't let them beat you. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, that that inspires me because there's been so many times in my life I, I gotten thrown out a third story window. Right. 
I, 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 I've done things to myself. I've had other things done to me. I mean, both, both of the, the things that I've done and the things that the, the world, the economy, whatever, has, have dealt me, have led me to a place where I could be a victim if I wanted to. Yeah. But it's that mentality. It's that mindset. It's, it's all of that staying focused on what the real goal is that you've been able to come out of this and inspire not only your own life to be a positive life. You could be a waste of person right now, bitter, ticked off, you know, 60 pounds overweight. You went in 30 pounds overweight, put on 10 pounds a year. Fact check me on that. You'd be 90 pounds overweight or 100 pounds overweight, right? I mean, but, but really you could have, you could have used that time to finish the destruction of Mike Morawski. Absolutely. You didn't. You came out a better version, Mike Morawski 2.0, right? That now is ready for the second chapter of life and is more equipped to do the second chapter of life because of what the interlude had for him. Right. And that's what I find to be expiring, my friend. That's what I find to, to motivate me to go, wow, you know what? I need to be looking back at the things that have happened in my life and drilling into those and going, where is more juice to squeeze out of these experiences that I could then use to make positive changes in my life and use them to motivate and empower me instead of use them to beat me up? Right. Mike, you are truly somebody that, that I look up to after just having put this interview together because of what you have chosen to do when life gave you lemonade, no vodka, locked in a room with some other guys. That was, I mean, that is not the recipe for a party, but, but you, my friend, have come out on top with all of this and more and now building back your own portfolio, but also building others' portfolios. Mm. I mean, Mike, I got to tell you, like I said, very, very inspirational story, but more inspiring is what you've chosen to do with your story, what you've chosen to do with your energies and efforts. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that you get back to us on when you're nailing down that that August event, because I want my listeners to know where that's at. That's going to be very important. Uh, I'm going to be on that side of the world in that time. I might just join it myself. I would love to be there. Um, but before that, before we let you go as well, uh, you talked about a free book. Right. I, I cheated while, while we were on here. I cheated. I, I've already downloaded my own copy. It's not just your typical ebook, ladies and gentlemen. It's 265 pages, 262 pages of real writing. That's a book. That's a real book. That's not a 15-page pamphlet. That is a real book, and I can't wait to get into that, Mike. But where can people find you in the great wide world of the Internet, and how can they get more involved with you in what you're doing? Yeah, so Shannon, I just want to make a comment on what you were just saying. So I'm on a podcast one day, and uh, the woman – whose podcast I was on, she, she printed my book just before I came on the show. And she's telling me, she said, you know, I can't believe this. She goes, I thought this was just a little 15 page ebook, but my husband says, Hey, what the hell are you printing? Uh, yeah. And she goes, this is 260 pages. Yeah. And yeah. I said, yeah, it's a and book. I wrote, I wrote a book, you know, I had, I, I wrote a book. It took me five years. I wrote a book. I mean, you did have the time. I will, I will give you that. But at the same time, most people, when they think about this, hey, come, you know, download this free book. It's usually, yeah. it is. It's a 15, yeah. 20 pager. I can't wait to dig into this. But where can we find you? Yeah. So you can find me in the world on uh, social media. Follow me, like me, love me, please. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and, you know, my YouTube channel. 
you can uh, connect with me directly at my email, which is Mike at mycoreintentions.com. I welcome any phone calls, any conversations, uh, anybody I can help or, or point in the right direction, I certainly will. And you can download the book at mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. And you uh, can download a free ebook. If you're like me, Shannon, though, and you like to read books, you'll have to, you can buy one there too. So, okay, good. Because, yes, I am a physical book kind of guy. Uh, but, guys, I want to, I want you guys to uh, go check Mike out. Um, inspirational story. Thanks for joining us here on the Real Estate Rundown. Again, if you like this episode, please subscribe, hit the subscribe button, join us, uh, follow us on uh, iTunes so you can get the latest version, Spotify so you can get our latest podcast. Again, thanks for stopping by the Real Estate Rundown. We love having you tune into us each and every week. We hope this brought you value. And Mike, once again, I want to say hats off and thanks for letting uh, you, uh, thanks for sharing your story on our space here. Thanks, Shannon. I appreciate it.